Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. In this conversation, we're going to be thinking about faith. Not so simple-minded after all. We're going to think about common questions about faith. What, uh, what is it? Uh, is it a gift that some people have? Why does it come so easily to some people? Is it a simple or a complex thing? Uh, is it just, in fact, uh, for the simple-minded only? Uh, my name is Josh Dean, and I'm joined here by Paul Davenport, um, who's going to try and help answer some of these questions for us. Okay. So, firstly, Paul, um, faith. Is it a simple or a, a complex thing? Is it just something that uh, uh, means you, you sort of simply-mindedly accept something without question? Or, in fact, um, is there some sort of reason in your acceptance for these things that, uh, that comes with questions and with doubts? Yeah, thanks, Josh. You know, we're going to examine that question, options between those two concepts of faith, if you like. Is, is it something that is just kind of switched on and you have it and it's absolute uh, belief in something and uh, there's no room for question there's no room for doubt there's no particular need for evidence you know that's one view of faith and uh, and, and the other is that it's it's perhaps a bit more complex nuanced than that and and it is all about evidence um, and therefore it does have questions it does open up questions and, uh, and and doubt is a real part of 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 a real faith and we actually don't need to look very far in terms of looking into biblical faith to see that it's it's not that simple model. I mean, just take for example, there's, there's one example of, um, of, of Jesus performing a miracle, um, and, and I think a, a, a man has his child healed, and this man says these, these simple words. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. So immediately there, you've got some, some complexity, some, uh, something going on there. And you know, maybe that simple view of faith is, is, is a bit of an easy caricature, or it's almost a, a straw man version of faith that's used to, to dismiss it. I don't, I, I don't think I know anyone Certainly, it's not true of me. Anyone who has faith doesn't really recognise that as describing the nature of their faith. Um, it, it might actually produce some unrealistic expectations as well about uh, in people coming to faith. They might expect, you know, it's got to be something that is 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 a hundred percent certain. Um, and if you don't feel like that about your faith, then it's somehow you failed, or somehow it's not for you. Okay, that's that's helpful. So there is some complexity here. Uh, there's 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 more to, to think about uh, rather than to just dismiss this uh, initially. And um, I had a look at a, a dictionary definition um, of of faith, and and this is uh, what it says. Uh, it said it's a strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. Um, now, uh, although this is a complex thing. Um, uh, what about uh, that that last bit there, based on spiritual conviction rather than proof? That sounds a little bit uh, a bit weak, doesn't it? Like the the, the sort of the straw man um, uh, argument you referred to earlier. Um, what, uh, what what do you think about that? Yeah, that's interesting because uh, you know I, probably the when we look up when you Google definition of a word, you, you probably get is it something like the Merriam-Webster Collegiate Dictionary or something like that, which. Um, you know, so a lot of the definitions of words are actually moving uh, all the time as as they are being used and how they're being used in um, in in common in common speech and, and writing. So it, it might actually be that actually the definition of faith, when you kind of put it simply, is um, is changing. People are thinking about faith as that simplistic, almost blind faith uh, doesn't need evidence. Um, and and so the definition does refer to proof. It doesn't mean there's no evidence. So what perhaps we need to do is is look is dive into into what the 
the Bible says about faith. Okay. Um, that's the context in which we're looking at this. So, and, and the classic chapter about faith is, is Hebrews 11. Um, so maybe we can just spend a few minutes in, in Hebrews 11 and, uh, and look at a few of the verses there. Um, and, and it opens with, with a statement about faith, I suppose. It says, so now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So, you know, just taking that one verse on its own, um, all it's really saying is, you know, faith is, faith is belief in something uh, that you can't see. Um, or, or it's believing in something that is hoped for that hasn't yet happened uh, and, and therefore isn't isn't seen. So it's not it's not saying anything about level of evidence or proof in, in that in that simple statement. Some some translations do say something like now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, which which is slightly odd because I'm not sure faith is is evidence. Um, so the simple statement there is you know faith is this belief in in something that 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 can't be seen okay so faith is something that uh, is belief in something that can't be seen and um, where does um, evidence fit into all of this so so if we if we carry on reading um then then i think we we get an example of how how evidence plays a part in this so so verse two for by it by faith uh, the people of old received their commendation uh, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of god so that and this is the this, the key bit although it's not phrased terribly easily um, to understand so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible so it, it kind of feels like there's a bit of a double negative thing going on there but essentially that's saying so that um, what is seen was made out made by things that are not visible that are invisible mm-hmm. so we see things and from that understand that they must have been made uh, by something invisible okay so there's some some evidence there right okay so so that's a you know that's a pretty simple statement of um by faith we understand the universe was created by the word of god we look around at things around us and think where did all this come from all this incredible complexity um in in life the universe and everything to quote douglas adams um where did all that come from and it's you know and the 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 thing that is understood from that is something that we can't see must have must have made it that's that's a very simple statement that's being made there but that simple concept that you know we we look at some evidence and that gives us an assurance gives us a belief in something that we can't see it's not it's not that unusual um you know scientists look at molecular behavior and chemical properties of matter and they believe that there is a thing called an atom you know and that that you can't see it but it's it's, it's believed that it's there so it's not that different or I, th- I think the the other example is you know you're driving your car and you come to a bridge um you you drive across that bridge with a certain level of of evidence that it's a sound bridge you know perhaps there's a um a heavy lorry has gone over it in front of you and so you're you're fine to to proceed um and so that kind of thing you know just crops up in in life all the time um and and we we often find ourselves in a position of believing in something that doesn't have absolute certainty um, of, of evidence attached to it. We have enough evidence to treat something as certain, and that's that's kind of the same thing as is as is going on here. Um, it, it's you know it, it's perhaps a little bit like um, you know in I've not particularly studied philosophy, but in philosophical thought, you know there's there's the rationalist approach in which um, you, you know nothing is nothing can be considered true unless it's proven absolutely certain sort of Descartes and that sort of uh, sort of approach and then that comes into the sort of postmodernism where everybody's point of view is is valid and what's what you see what you perceive is what's true um, and then there's a sort of pragmatism um, 
in, in the middle of that. And that's sort of the same thing with faith. No, you can't get to absolute proof, um, but there is evidence. And, uh, and the, the question is, is there enough evidence to, to treat uh, God as, as a certainty? So there are there are things that we can uh, uh, believe in and trust in uh, that uh, we can't see um, that uh, that we might uh, not totally understand. You gave the examples of the atom, the, the bridge that you might drive across. But as we think about religious faith, what we're talking about here, um, it goes a bit further, doesn't it, than just well, there is something out there that we can't see. Um, uh, uh, what's the, the sort of the next step on um, from that sort of a, a, a statement look like? Yeah, I, I suppose in, in getting to the end of verse three of, of Hebrews eleven, all, all we've done is, is is got as far as well we can we can see you know, the universe around us, and mm, something must have caused it to happen. What what that is, something we can't see, but doesn't really tell us very much about what that what that being, what that intelligence, what that personality is, is all about. No, we're, <laughs> we're hungry to, to to know something more. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as we read on, um, we get to to verse six, um, which is which is a, a cracking verse. It's a it's it's a bit of a whirlpool. It's uh, it's got all sorts of things um, and, and significant ideas going on it. So, so in, in verse six of Hebrews eleven, we read, "And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him." So, so we're really of diving deeper now into uh, into the biblical the biblical concept of faith and religious religious faith and yeah this is this is where some of the complexity um, comes in um, be, because this is this is very much uh, this unseen thing that 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 made the universe is is being talked about in this verse as 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 a being with whom people men and women can have a relationship it, it's very much getting into um, a relationship so. Um, it's talking about pleasing God. Um, and it's talking about drawing near to God, um, and and it it really focuses on two things that are the subject of faith, um, and they're pretty simple, really. It's uh, whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Um, and but there's there's all sorts of things that hang off that. Um, so they must believe that God exists. So I guess there's the whole question of well, what is God? What is God? said about himself um, and, and, and believing what God has said about himself and then there's what he said he will do uh, in this reward aspect um, and, and understanding what he said he will do so so there's all sorts of things that that hang off hang off that and interestingly it says at the end there doesn't it that um, that he rewards those who seek him because um, you, you might think well why why hasn't God made it abundantly obvious that he he's there he's all-powerful you know why why isn't it abundantly clear for everyone um and there's there's perhaps something in in, in thinking about that that uh, you know god god isn't looking for the sort of relationship in which he's forced on people and people respond to him because he's all powerful and fearful and, and, and it's a response out of fear he's looking for people to seek um to to draw near um that that's a different kind of relationship um, yeah a much more positive one i'd say Okay, yeah. Let, let let's let's think a bit more about that that idea of the relationship. What what would that look like in reality? You, you spoke about uh, doing things that are pleasing, drawing near, um, and and uh, uh, seeking um, uh, uh, God, um, the uh, Creator. But what, what what does that sort of look like in the real world for our for our listeners who uh, uh, who want to know more about uh, uh, what what that will mean? Okay, so well well the rest of this chapter um, 
then goes through a series of, of real life case studies. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's something the Bible does a lot for us. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't tell us, kind of, here's, here's a nice theological statement that you must believe. Uh, here's a nice list of things you must do. And here's a list of things you must not do. The Bible doesn't give us that sort of, um, that sort of guidance and information. It very much speaks to us through people, characters, the lives of, of individuals. And so what the writer of this, this chapter in Hebrews then does, having given us the basics of what faith is, um, is, is about, he then goes through a whole series of, of examples. Um, it is probably, I mean, there's quite a lot of examples in the chapter, but we will we'll perhaps just look at three of them. Um, so Abraham and his wife, Sarah, are, are, they feature quite heavily in this chapter. So we'll perhaps look at them first. Um, so in, in verse eight uh, of Hebrews 11, um, and, and we'll look at a few, a few verses in different parts of, uh, of, of the Bible in relation to this as well. So by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So it, it's, it's a fairly simple statement of what, of what Abraham did. He was, um, he was promised a land, but he needed to move from where he was living um, in uh, Ur somewhere towards the end of the Persian Gulf, I think is the most likely location for that. And then um, he was to move to, um, to what what is Israel today, essentially, and he was he was to go there and receive it as an inheritance. Uh, so that's that's one thing he was he was told and that he did. Um, the second thing uh, is in verse eleven, which talks about it in in relation to Abraham's wife Sarah. So by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past age, uh, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So the other thing they were promised was a child, and, and at the time uh, Abraham and Sarah were were unable to to have children. So so we've got here, you know, quite simply stated, Abraham and Sarah they they had faith because they believed that these these things that God had promised, that they believed that God existed and that He was going to reward them uh, as, as they as they sought him so what's interesting is is we've got the record of the life of of Abraham and Sarah um, and the account of their life in in Genesis um, and it's it's interesting just to look at at what um at what is said about them uh, and about the things that they did and the, how they processed this information about these um these promises so in, in Genesis chapter 15, um, first of all, so we'll take a look at Genesis 15 verses 2 and 3. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Um, so so Abram, or Abraham, because his name was changed uh, later on, um, is very much questioning that, that promise, isn't he, about you'll have a child, you'll have a have a descendant. He, he appears here to be finding it quite challenging, and 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 you know to say that, ask that sort of question. Look, I, I continue childless. I you've given me no offspring, um, and it seems kind of extraordinary to say that in response to something God has has promised. But you know that that's what Abraham's doing. He's he's questioning how's this going to happen. Hmm. Here's a suggestion: Is it Eliezer? Yeah, so I can he... adopt him. Even with his faith, there's still a, a struggle there for him. Yeah, um, and and so, but what what he's he's questioning, he's maybe doubting, but he's he's trying to understand how how this will how this will work out. And in the next chapter, um, this time Sarah and and Abram together, they come up with another suggestion. Um, so beginning of chapter 16, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her and Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So 
So then Abram has a child by uh, Hagar, uh, Sarah's um, servant, which leads to all sorts of family, domestic strife and, and, and difficult situations. But, and, and again, Sarah is, you know, I, I'm not having, this isn't happening. Um, so there's, there's questioning, there's confusion. How is this, um, how is this thing going to, going to happen? And, and they're trying to find ways of making it, making it happen themselves. Um, so actually when we, we read it, yes, Abram, had, Abram and Sarah had faith, but when we read about what's going on, we find a much more complex situation uh, going on there. So, so that, was, that was the first example. Okay. Um, the, 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 the second, second one we could, we could pull out from Hebrews 11 is Jacob. Um, so there's just a, a very brief reference to Jacob in verse 20. By faith, Isaac, who was Jacob's father, invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Um, so the, the situation here is that that Jacob and Esau are twin brothers, um, sons of, of Isaac. And, and Jacob is, is very keen. And Jacob is the second born of, of the twins. So he's not the firstborn, wouldn't naturally receive the blessing uh, from, from his father. Uh, but Jacob wanted that blessing because he, he, he perceived it to contain these promises um, that were being passed down from Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. So, so he, he, he wanted that, that blessing. And you think that's, that's fine. Uh, for for Jacob to place value on that um, and to, and to put faith in that um, and then again we go back into Genesis and we go to um, Genesis twenty seven and we find an extraordinary situation um, outlined here in Genesis twenty seven where um, I'll just read a couple of verses um, so it's in verse eighteen of Genesis twenty seven so Jacob went into his father and said my father and he said here I am who are you my son and Jacob said to his father I am Esau your firstborn I have done as you told me now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me so so Jacob does this extraordinary thing he disguises himself as as his older brother slightly older brother Esau and, and goes in and deceives he lies to his father he deceives his father in um, and obtains the blessing um, so again we read about it and in fairly simple terms in Hebrews 11 but we look at the character we look at the the account uh, and we find a really a really complex thing going on we find really unusual um, example there Right. So, yeah, it's people who are motivated by their faith to do things. But uh, but yeah, we're given these these complex examples of, uh, of people responding um, because of their faith. OK. All right. Let's let's look at one more example. So we'll just take one more, and, and it's Moses, uh, who's talked about in verse 23 of, of Hebrews 11. Um, and, uh, and it says that actually, verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, so you know, I'm sure people are familiar with uh, Moses in, in the bulrushes, and he was brought up by, by, um, in Pharaoh's household, although he was a, a Jewish, uh, um, an Israelite child. Um, and, uh, and it says here, when he grew up by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So when he was grown up, he um, allied himself to his, his people and they were slaves. They were, they were um, in slavery in, in Egypt, building some of the, uh, the great structures that uh, archaeologists have found in, in, in Egypt, no doubt. Um, and so, so there's that fairly simple statement about uh, about Moses' faith um, and wanting to join himself to his to his people Israel. Um, when we when we go back and look at how he interpreted his role in that um, that situation, 
Um, perhaps we don't actually need to go back to the Old Testament. We can look at it in Acts chapter seven, um, where there's a there's a comment on on what Moses did. Um, so it's uh, Acts seven verse twenty three. When Moses was forty years old, he came, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them. And, and then one of them indicates that they'd seen him murder this Egyptian and, uh, and, and he had to flee. So, so what, what Moses is doing, he says, I know God has promised to kind of deliver this, my people Israel, from, from slavery. Um, and when he comes across an Egyptian slave master beating uh, uh, an Israelite, he steps in and kills the Egyptian, thinking, right, let's start the uh, start the revolution. And uh, and, and he thought his fellow um, Israelites would understand that, um, but that wasn't the way it worked out at all. He he had to he had to flee, and it was actually a good many years, decades later, um, that, that anything started to happen with this uh, this people in bondage in, in Egypt. And so so he, he he believed in God. He believed something that God promised was going to happen, but he committed murder um, in in that in trying to make that happen. So, so what, and, and, and there are all sorts of other examples in, in Hebrews chapter 11 of, you know, people like Samson and Jephthah. And, and we look at the accounts of their lives and they're really complex, messy lives um, in, in a lot of cases. So, so what, what do we get from that? Well, I think what we're, what we're starting to unpick and uncover is the, is the complexity of, of what it means to, to have faith in, in God and, and what he's, what he's saying he will do. Um, they all believed that God existed. They all believed that God would, was, was promising to do something, uh, whether it was giving them a land, a child, or freedom from slavery, or whatever it was. They didn't really know how God was going to act and, and bring that to pass. So they were confused. They, they, they had doubts. They made some pretty strange choices um, and did some, did some things in their lives. But, but despite that, God loved them for that and commends them for that, for that faith. Um, and he wanted to work with them. Um, and, and so that that's that I think is is a is a really encouraging conclusion to to get out of this that that the examples of faith that are listed there in, in Hebrews eleven they're, they're not perfect people you know they're they're not people who have got it all sorted and they never doubted they never asked questions they of, of their of their faith um, they had all sorts of struggles asked questions doubted found solutions to those questions and as a result grew in in their faith I think. It's really encouraging to uh, to see to see in those uh, examples that uh, that you shared with us. Um, we've thought about how uh, how faith uh, works, how uh, we look at the evidence, uh, and even if there are things that we can't see, we, we build that evidence up, and we do it all the time for for, for different reasons. And then we've considered these uh, examples of people who led real, uh, messy, complicated lives with their families, with their friends, with the communities that they were in, uh, and their faith um, uh, prompts them to, to do things, to, to think about things, and to, uh, and to lead their lives in a new and different way. Abraham, uh, you know, leaving his, his hometown behind, um, uh, for example, there. Um, so the, the faith that, that comes into their lives um, uh, elicits a response uh, from them and even though they might struggle they might be uh, confused and doubt at times um, they they act on that faith and God uh, works with them wants to work with them um, and loves them and recognizes them for their faith and so they're they're, they're sort of uh, listed in, in 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 Hebrews chapter 11 that you uh, you took those examples from as people um, who we should think of uh, mm. as faithful whilst also living uh, complicated lives as well and um, it's it's excellent to uh, to sort of have 
uh, all of that tied up uh, together. Uh, that's really, really great. Thank you for that. I mean, it's 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 tempting to kind of read read our Bibles and read about these characters and and sort of put them on a on a pedestal almost um, and and assume that they they there's something above above the norm. I don't want to say supernormal, but or but you know above you know us in our mundane lives. Um, and actually, when you can just just take the the accounts of their lives as they unfold, um, it, you know that you can see the um, the sort of complexities the the thought process the doubt in, in fact it, it would almost i think i'd almost go as far as to say that faith that doesn't allow for questioning and, and doubt is is so static and stale that it it's it's sort of lesser value almost it, it's it, it's it's by question doubt and thinking things through you know the invitation is to think it's it's um you know i read something recently that uh, that described it as as um you know these these people don't have it all worked out they are working it out and, and that's what we're reading about it's you know they're showing their workings you know as as uh, Anyone who's taken an exam knows you have to do so, and that—that's kind of what we've got in in the in the narrative of, of their lives. Um, yeah. So, I mean, maybe just a, a closing thought to just to perhaps wrap it up and bring it to 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 how we think about our, our own lives and and, and faith, um, because it's all very interesting for Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob and Moses to to be commended for their faith. Um, but actually, it's not you know those examples are there not just not just for them for their benefit. It's uh, it's for us as well. So in Romans in Romans chapter four, um, part of what the Apostle Paul uh, writes there towards the end of that chapter, um, as we go from verse um, verse twenty um, of yeah verse twenty of Romans four, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith. So there was a, there was a growth in, in his in his faith through that questioning and making suggestions as, as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So, you know, it's not just for Abraham's benefit. That he was, you know, God saw that faith. However, misguided some of his choices might have been, um, saw that, and, and that God said, yes, that's that's righteousness. Um, but it's for for us as well. Um, but the thing, and as is often the case, it comes back to Jesus uh, as the core of uh, of, um, of belief and, and Christianity, um, belief in the resurrection of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and, and our, our justification. Excellent. I think, uh, yeah, a wonderful place to, uh, to to end our conversation here. Um, thank you very much, Paul, for uh, for sharing that with us. Um, and thank you uh, to all those uh, who have been listening. It's been wonderful to have your company. Um, thank you very much, and uh, God bless. You've been listening to the Bible Feed Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're always keen to hear what you think, hear your questions or subjects you'd like us to discuss. Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey. Mm-hmm.